Amen. How many of you believe God is good? Amen. I really appreciate those exhortations, uh, Brother John today and uh, Neam and, and even Megan, just a, an amazing word. Uh, I want to just, you know, there's just so much on my heart. Uh, I, I have had an amazing, awesome 10 days uh, just being with the Lord uh, on the mountaintop, just really being alone with God. And uh, I know it's been part of our season of our 21 days of fasting and prayer and getting alone with the Lord. I, I really encourage all of you to uh, become part of the collective body when we come to church, when we, when we fast and pray. It's a, it's a New Testament pattern. Fasting and prayer in the early church was not an option. Those who were believers those who loved the Lord, were part of the body, they understood that the power and the success of the life of any believer will be measured by what happens not on a Sunday morning, not on a life group, not even on a Wednesday night action class. The strength and the anointing and the power that we experience will be measured by how God's people pray in the house of the Lord. How many of you know Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of what? Prayer. He didn't say it would be called a house of preaching or even singing. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And these past 21 days, we have been praying and we've been fasting and we've been seeking the Lord and I just want to tell you right now, the Lord has laid on my heart several things. But first of all, he wants you to know we are under an open heavens. We are under an open heavens. And that means a lot. Uh, I would, how many of you are glad the heavens are open rather than closed? And God wants you to know that you're under an open heavens. Now, there's not an open heavens everywhere. An open heavens has a tremendous significance and it has to do with our relationship with our heavenly father and i believe that god is going to be moving on our hearts uh the lord laid some things on my heart that just let me know that we are moving into a new season amen how many of you know we're moving into a new season uh, it's a new season it's a new year and uh, the Lord just laid some things on my heart. I'd like you to turn with me into the book of John just for the beginning. I'm just going to take a few minutes this morning. And uh, as you're turning to the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14, I want to read a scripture out of Proverbs. And it says this, Under three things <clears throat> the earth quakes. Proverbs 30, verse 21 says, Under three things the earth quakes, and under four it cannot bear up. It is when a pauper, a pauper, a pauper is an individual who is poor, a person who has a poverty mentality, when a pauper becomes a king. When a pauper becomes a king. It says that the earth quakes, and it says it cannot bear up when a pauper becomes a king. And what it's referring to there is what we're going to be starting on a series on 
the power of a renewed mind, our journey towards wholeness. How many of you believe God wants to bring heaven on earth through you, through you and his people? And one of the things that we need to realize is that as we grow in the knowledge of Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus is what transforms our thinking, and our thinking transforms our lives. And when our lives become transformed, we become the instrument in God's hands that brings the glory and the power and the anointing to the world around us. How many of you know that this world is groaning and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God? God, the world is waiting for you. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, they're waiting on you. Amen. They're waiting on you. And you know what? You, you have it. You have it. You have a fresh and winning. You know, this past 21 days, the purpose of a 21-day fast was intended to get into a place where we can hear His voice. And when God begins to speak to us, one of the beautiful things about His voice is Word always comes gently. His Word comes with hope. His Word comes with life. It comes with direction. And even sometimes His Word may come with some redirection. And, and even at times He might even chasten us because He loves us. But the purpose of His Word is to bring us into a place of abundant life. Amen? And 2016 is going to be a year, and I, I want to just say this to you, it's, it's a year where we're going to inherit our promised land. We're going to move into the very promised land. Do you know that everyone has a promised land? Now, contrary to the hymns that you might have been raised with, because a lot of hymns sing songs that the promised land is heaven. That's not actually scriptural. The promised land is not heaven. The promised land has to do with that place of dominion, authority, and victory, and power, and purpose that God has created in you and put inside of you through the power and baptism of the Holy Spirit and what He's done inside of you is to make you salty and make you light and make you a history maker in your generation and around you. You know, God's, God's taking the baskets off our head. Amen. And our light is to shine. Amen. God wants our light to shine. And He's releasing heaven on earth. His plan and His purpose is to glorify His Son Jesus through your life. And so it's so, so important that we come to understand the significance of the Word and believe the Word. Notice in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word become flesh <clears throat> and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory and the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. Do you know that the Word is still becoming flesh? Right now, in you. You see, Jesus is being glorified in you. Right now. Jesus has been... Actually, He's not only being glorified, He was glorified in you when He rose from the dead. How many here have been baptized in water? Amen. 
Do you know that when you came out of that water, you came out of the water in the newness and the power. You came out in the image of Jesus. And there is such life in you. There is such vision in you. There is such power in you to transform and to see things change on every level of your life. That's what, that's what God intended. God intended for you to walk by faith, to walk with an understanding that Jesus in His presence, Spirit dwelling inside of you, can make a difference around you. Amen? But one of the things that God is doing today is He's breaking down, He's breaking up, He's seeking to renew our minds and destroy a poverty mentality. His plan is to bring heaven on earth. His plan is to take His people, His church, and to use you in ways that are exceedingly above what you could ever ask or think. And I, I believe that we're, we're to expect that. We're to believe that. You know, one of the things that the Lord, uh, when I was just in prayer and fasting through the past couple of weeks, the Lord began to deal, deal with me about comfort zones. How many of you have a comfort zone in your life? You know, it's a term that we use that kind of uh, explains things that we are comfortable in. And one thing about following Jesus, how many of you know that you can't follow Jesus very long without the Holy Spirit begin to move on you, to begin to move you and to break you free from your comfort zone? And not all comfort zones are bad or wrong, but the, the tendency with people with a particular comfort zone. Comfort zones make you feel safe. A comfort zone is something that you retreat to maybe when you are stressed out. Maybe you feel uncomfortable. A comfort zone is a way of thinking or a way of feeling. It might even be particular opinions. It might be a, a particular frame of mind. It can be an attitude. But what it is, it's what you retreat to when you are being stressed or you're going through a season in your life. We retreat, people retreat sometimes into isolation. They just retreat to themselves. Sometimes a comfort zone, which may not necessarily bring comfort because sometimes when people are not walking in the fullness of what God has called them to be, sometimes people have actually made shame, guilt, and even condemnation a comfort zone. Sometimes we can even think that defeat and feeling insignificant or feeling I'm, I'm such a failure, that actually can be a comfort zone for some people. They can actually think, you know what, I'm, I'm such a failure, I'm never going to really amount to nothing. God, God could never use a person like me because of my past. Sometimes a comfort zone is memories. It's what you've known. It's what you've been raised in. It's the atmosphere. It's potentially what your father or your mother may have raised you in. It, it's, a, it's, it's, it's boundaries. It's a particular uh, frame of thought, an idea, a narrative that you've grown up to believe all your life. But it, it's something that you resort to. For a drug addict, 
His drugs are his comfort zone. For an alcoholic, his alcoholism becomes his friend. It becomes something that nurtures him. The, the sad thing about those kind of comfort zones is they're rooted and based in a lie. It's not based on truth. These kind of comfort zones is what keeps people from growing into the next level. How many of you know that the path of the just shines more and more? From faith to faith, from glory to glory. You know, Jesus is not interested, and the Holy Spirit laid this on my, my mind. In fact, God was dealing with me these past couple of weeks about certain comfort zones in my own life. Let me give you one comfort zone in my life, okay? I'm, I'm going to be really vulnerable with you. But one comfort zone is I don't like to preach without notes. And the Lord laid this on my heart. says, says, I want you to get up and I want you to trust me in front of the congregation. Trust me. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I need a blueprint. He says, I'm your blueprint. I want you to follow me. Now, I, I know it seems like I disobeyed the Lord here, but uh, I still bring my notes <laughs> to the platform. But, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is teaching me to trust in Him. You know, any kind of a comfort zone. Sometimes our comfort zone can be a certain attitude. Just an attitude towards change. Amen? Uh, maybe an attitude towards God. An attitude towards church. An attitude towards life. An, an attitude in your marriage. An attitude... Uh, that uh, has to do with where you're at. And one of the most important things is that we need to be careful not to say that when things come to challenge you, that it's always the devil because it's not always the devil. How many of you know that sometimes God may use people to speak in your life? There, there were times when I was growing up as a young man in the church I used to go to, and when, when people would say things that I kind of felt nervous about and they would speak into my life, you know what I would do? I'd say, I rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. And a little later on, the Lord would say to me, Ray, that wasn't the devil, that was me speaking through your leader. Oh, I don't know about that, God. That, that, that did not make me feel good. Yes, I know it didn't make you feel good because I'm teaching you that your feelings is what gets you in trouble all the time. You know, I, I, uh, there was a time when my wife and I first got married, and uh, even though I was raised in a Christian home, and by the way, my folks are here today visiting us for a couple of weeks, my mom and dad back there, amen. I told my dad today, I said, Dad, you got the word for us this morning? And my dad said, don't you dare ask me <laughs> My dad has many gifts in his life, and I would never do that to him, but they are, they are here, and we are blessed to have him for a couple of weeks here, my mom and dad. But I know that when I was raised in a Christian home and raised in a Christian church, and even though I had a lot of word up in my head, when I got married to my wife, I come to realize that there were many comfort zones that were based and rooted in selfishness in my life. In fact, I came to realize 
that uh, I had no concept of what love was at all. I had no concept of what it was to be a leader and a priest in my home. I did not know. I remember one of the first couple of battles that my wife had, myself with my wife, Carol, uh, one of the quick things that I used to do was pull out my Bible and preach to her in a way to get my way. And I'll never forget Carol one day said, you know what, Ray? I would rather run away from you than have to listen to you and listen to what you have to say. And I looked at her so shocked. I said, but I'm preaching the Word. Well, the problem was, just because you know the Bible and you're not walking in humility and not walking in love, you know, it, it, people really don't care about what you say. But they do care about the Spirit and the manner that you are conveying it. And in fact, that's one of the greatest problems even in the church today. One of the saddest things is when ministry, even behind pulpits and leaders who have tremendous giftings, but they have no character. They, they do not reflect the life and the power of Jesus. And so God, in His wisdom, will begin to ordain and direct your steps. Listen to me very carefully. God will ordain your steps because He loves you. And He will cause people in your journey to cross your path. And these people that will cross your path are people that love you, that care about you. God will use them to bring attention to things in your life because God loves you. And with patience and with great long-suffering, the Lord will begin to bring things to your attention. In fact, do you, do you know what the purpose of the church is all about? The purpose of the church is so much bigger than singing and Sunday school and preaching a sermonette. The purpose of the body of Christ is where we learn to communicate and nurture each other in the Lord. We're to be exhorting one another to go farther. We're to be empowering each other to come into the fullness of God. We're to be coming out to one another and we're to say, Nathan, man, God has such a powerful purpose in your life. And Jonathan, do you know the hand of God is upon you? You're going you're gonna to be just a mind-blowing prophet to your generation. God's going to use you. Amen. Mike Riga, God's going to use you to be a blessing and strengthen the gifts that God has given to you. Amen. Tony Laville. God's using you as an accountant to be a light, to bring hope and faith to people. Amen. In your business. See, one of the reasons that God brings us together is to be a prophetic voice and to affirm what God's doing in our life already. Amen. It, and, and those kind of things are important. But the Lord has to stir us and the Lord will begin to speak to us and He is so patient, He's so long-suffering that He wants to transform us and move us out of our comfort zone. Several years ago, one of the most difficult things I used to have was getting up in the morning and starting my day with prayer. Uh, I tried to do my devotions in the evening, and when I was home from work, being a builder at the time, a carpenter, I was so tired. And the Lord said, Ray, I want you to get up early. I want you to 
hit your face. I want you to come and put your face on the ground and seek my face and seek me early. And I want to tell you, every cell in my body was fighting it. There wasn't anything fun about it. There wasn't anything good. But as I began to seek the face of the Lord, I remember because I would get up at 4.30 in the morning when my wife and I were first married, lived in this apartment, and I began to pray and seek the Lord. And I want to tell you, there were many times in the first five minutes of my prayer time, I'd fall asleep. And Carol would say, Ray, what are you doing in here? Well, I was praying. But I fell asleep. Now, sometimes when you begin to start in something new and fresh, you might be stumbling. You might be just kind of falling through the thing because the Lord's beginning to teach you to trust. He's teaching you how uh, to, to grow in Him. And I, I, w- I was breaking some ground, and I was, the Lord was teaching me to move beyond my comfort zone. And one of the things that I had to do was get beyond my excuses. Everyone say excuses. If you're going to see God's glory come, if we're going to possess the promised land, we've got to move beyond excuses. I, I, I want to read something to you. Listen to this. This, this is something I took out of a, a book here recently. It's about a man who comes and he observes a young boy who has this adult-sized elephant. It's a man, it's, and it says this, a man came who observed an adult elephant that was tied by a rope to a stake in the ground. And he saw that the elephant, with his massive strength, could easily break free of this little rope tied to a stake. He could have easily broken free from this constraint. So he asked the elephant keeper, this young boy, why did he stay put? Why is he staying there? It will, it will still, be, uh, and the keeper explained that if you tie an elephant up when he's little, when he's young, he can't break free. And he will still believe that the rope is stronger than he is even after he becomes an adult. Now that is mind-boggling. See, many times we have had things come into our minds and we believed these things for years. I remember there was a young man who used to be a youth pastor in our church. His name was Damon Skinner. He used to come to New Life Fellowship. And he was told that he was dyslexic, that he couldn't read well. And uh, the doctors prescribed him and said that he had these certain put these certain labels on him that he couldn't read well, he will never be able to comprehend. And finally he went to a youth camp and a prophecy, a prophetic word came over him how God was going to begin to break the yokes of bondage off his life, even from his youth. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you can read the Bible. And Damien began to teach himself to read. He began to read the Bible. And, and D- Damien had a prophetic gift, powerful ministry, preaching gift, amazing gift in his life. But one thing he had to do is he had to confront the excuse. And he had to say, all things are possible with God. You have to be willing to say, I 
can change. Amen? Guess what 2016 is going to be, folks? It's going to be a year of possessing the promises, and it's going to be a year where I can change. Let's all say that together, shall we? I can change. Say it one more time. I can change. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you will change. Amen. (laughs) You can and you will change. Amen. How many of you know that God loves us so much that He doesn't want you where you're at? He loves you so much that He's not going to allow you to stay where you're at. You know why? Because you will die. If you are not growing and bearing fruit, then you die. And so God is going to do something in your life. He wants there to be a breakthrough. He wants to open your mind. He wants to enlarge, bring increase into your life. Now, the Bible says in John 1 here that the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld His glory and the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15, John bore witness of Him and cried out, saying, This was He whom I have said, He who comes after Me is preferred more than Me. For He was before Me, and of His fullness we have all received. Everyone say receive. Now I want you to hear what this says again. Of His fullness. It does not say that we've only received something in part it says of his fullness of his everyone say fullness see what that means is that leaves no excuse god has through the power of the holy spirit given you the power of the full potential of the godhead the father the son and the holy spirit of his fullness we have all received in fact john 14 jesus said that the works I do, you're going to even do greater than that. In other words, so in other words, we are to live a life with expectancy. We are to live a life believing that things can change because of what He's put in me. God has put something in me. It's called the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was more than just giving you the ability to speak in tongues and even prophesy. God's put the Holy Spirit to begin to awaken dreams, awaken desires, awaken gifts, awaken your passion, awaken your integrity, awaken some amazing things in your life. You know, this this past week, just to give you an example, some amazing things, Things that happened when I was away. I, I, I always ask the Lord for treasure hunting experiences. And, and I was checking into my hotel over there in Yuba City. Or not Yuba City, but uh, Redding, uh, California. And uh, while I was in there, I, was, you know, I set myself up. I usually just get my internet put up. Oh, by the way, that was an interesting story. I get into my room. I love to get my computer connected to the internet because there's websites I go to and draw from. This is an interesting thing. When I got into my room, for some reason, I could not get my computer connected to the internet through the hotel. And so I went down and the the people down there couldn't figure it out. I called my wife, Carol. I said, Carol, for some reason, we can't get connected to the internet. 
This is what, and then just right there, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He says, Ray, you're not going to need your internet this week. In fact, I have a lot of resources I draw from on the internet, some powerful tools in study. And the Lord says, you're not going to, you, you won't need the internet. This is going to be some real personal time between you and me. Now, I, I want to tell you something. That was like pulling some uh, legs out from underneath me because I love my tools. I used to be a builder. You know, you cannot build a house without tools. Same thing in the ministry. They're tools that are some powerful study uh, tools that, that are available online as well as uh, in books and things of that nature. But the Lord said, Ray, your approach this time is going to be differently. I'm going to be feeding heavenly manna right into your life and I want you to be willing to let go of those tools in these two weeks and I want you to wait before me. It was a powerful thing. Just that. The second day, third day, somewhere in there, every day, uh, I was in my time, prayer, study, seeking the Lord, and then, of course, attending some services there in Reading. But uh, there was a, a cleaning lady that came every Sunday, or every day, about 10, 11 in the morning, and she'd come in, and I'd kind of stand outside while she was cleaning up my room. And uh, this one day, she she was in there, and she began to uh, apologize to me. I was standing outside in the hall while she was cleaning my room. She says, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm kind of slow today. I've, I've got this real stiff wrist, and uh, I, I'm just having a lot of pain in it. And she didn't know I was a pastor in ministry. And I said, and when I heard her say that, I asked her, uh, what's the problem with the wrist? And she says, I have nerve damage uh, from my wrist into my hand. And I said, what happened? She says, well, my husband, who we used to be married to years ago, I was married to years ago, we got into a fight and he literally bit my wrist and destroyed the nerves in my hand. And now my, my thumb and index finger are stiff and I can't move them and it's, it's been painful and I'm on pain medication. And so I thought, aha, yay God, here's an opportunity. And I said, well, I think I can help you. And she looked at me and says, how can you help me? I said, well, I'm, I'm a Christian and I believe in the power of prayer and I believe that Jesus Christ is alive and He has given us power to heal the sick. The power to pray. And so I said, would you let me just pray for your hand? And she said, sure. By the way, this, this young lady was 26 years old with one child, and this is the first time, not the first, but it's very rare that I've ever heard this. She has never in her life ever heard the gospel. Living in Redding, California, has never heard the gospel ever. That blew me away. I said, Have you, do, do you know about Jesus dying on her? No, I've, I've never heard that. And I said, well, do you ever watch TV? He said, yeah, I've, I've seen that, but I've never heard the gospel. I don't know what that means. She was raised in a uh, home where there was, was, there was no connection that way so i i just said let me let me just lay my hands and i took her wrist and i just 20 seconds i said father we thank you for the blessing of calvary and i just pray right now and i speak healing and holy spirit life into her wrist into her hands we just speak the connection of the nerves into the sinew the muscle lord bring life and first words out of her mouth it was wow, that's weird. That's weird. I said, what's weird? She says, well, just something's off. 
something's in this room. And I said, well, do something you couldn't do. And she started moving her thumb. There was still pain in her thumb, but it was the first time she could move her thumb. I said, let's pray again. So we prayed again, and she started moving her wrist. And then she starts laughing. She says, this is weird. And then an interesting thing happened. She's getting movement, and she's getting a lot of freedom in her wrist. And she, as she was working, continuing to work, she felt the pain completely go away. Now, the Lord gave me another word of knowledge about her, and it had to do with her blood. There was an imbalance in her blood or potentially in the immune system. And I just said that, can I pray with you about something else? Has, is there a blood disorder in your life? And she said, yes, there, there is a, a serious problem in my body. And it's, it's, she gave a ter- term, a medical term. And so I prayed over her and I, I literally cursed that thing. And I just spoke the life of Jesus through the power of the blood, through faith in his name, for her to come into a place of healing and relief from that in Jesus' name. Two or three days goes by. She's coming back to my room. She opens the door in my room and she holds her arms out like this. She puts her arms out like this. Do you see this? Do you see this? I mean, she's really elated, excited. And I'm looking at her forearms and uh, I said, yeah, I see your arms, but what am I supposed to be looking for? And she says, they're gone. They're gone. The bruises are gone. And she had some disease where she bruises on her body. And she said, in the past two days, all of the bruises went away. And it, it so shocked her. And she, she shows me her for, from her shoulders down in these bruises. I, she just looked like normal flesh. But she said, they're gone. And I, didn't, I never knew that they were there because I never saw them. I didn't see it before. But I said, I want you to do this. I want you to go to the doctor. I want you to have the doctors confirm this. I want you to get... So I gave her my business card, and she's going to be calling me up after she gets to the doctor. But here's the point, folks. The Holy Spirit is waiting for us to begin to activate what the Father has put in us with the needs that are around us every single day. God is waiting. The Holy Spirit. The world is waiting. And the Bible says they're even groaning for the manifestations of the sons of God, of Dwight, of Gay, of Mike Riga, Tony, and Joanne, and Mary, and, and, and the Orzacos, and Shirley, and amen, on and on. God, the, the world's waiting for you. Amen? Now, I, I want to take you over to a scripture in Matthew chapter 3. I want you to see something. This is when John the Baptist is coming on the scene. You all know this particular passage, and I want you to see when Jesus comes and his Jesus is coming on the scene, and John, the Bible says, chapter 3, verse 1, in those days John was preaching in the wilderness. He was the voice crying in the in the wilderness. He was the voice of the, the, uh, the word, the prophet, out of Isaiah, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of it was at hand. For this was spoken by the prophet, the voice crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And go ahead and jump down to verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. 
But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to unloose or carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, I want you to notice verse 13 and 14. The Holy Spirit opens something up on these next two verses. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John. Let's all say this together. Jesus is coming. It says, Jesus came to John. Very important what, what's happening. Here. It doesn't say John came to Jesus. It said Jesus came to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Now notice verse 14. But John tried to prevent it. John said, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. And Jesus said, permit it to be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he was baptized, Jesus came immediately out of the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And suddenly the voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Can you say amen to the word here? I've read this for years, and while I was in prayer, the Lord opened something in my heart about this passage. John was the last of the old prophets of an old covenant era. John was prophesying repentance. He was baptizing people. And it may sound really spiritual when you come back up into verse 12, where, where John says that when the... Jesus comes, who will baptize you with fire. Notice what he says. When he comes, his shoes I'm not even worthy to unloose. John is baptizing and he's telling people to repent, prepare the way, the Lord is coming. But when the Lord finally comes, the Lord says to John, John, you are going to baptize me. Now you know what John does? John really gets confused. John gets bewildered. In fact, he is perplexed. In fact, I believe John took Jesus aside and said, wait, wait, time out, time out, Jesus. If I baptize you, it is going to contradict everything I've been telling everybody. It's going to be wrong. I've been telling everyone that you're the baptizer, that you are coming to baptize us. Jesus said, I know, John. But John, this is a new day. This is a new season. John, I want you to understand that you are going to baptize me. Now, I want you to see in this verse, I want you to notice what it says in verse 15, where Jesus said, permit it to be so now. Everyone say now. Permit it to be so, for thus it is fitting for us. Everyone say us. Notice what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, it is fitting for me. Jesus was saying to John, John, guess what? I'm bringing you in on this. You're going to be partnering with me on what God's going to be doing in the message of the kingdom. Notice what John was preaching all this time. 
when he was baptizing people and preaching the message of repentance. It sounds really spiritual, doesn't it? When Jesus comes, he's coming, and I'm so not worthy. Oh, I'm so not worthy to untie his sandals. It really sounds humble and spiritual. But you know what John, Jesus does? Jesus says, John, the days of feeling humiliated and unworthy and not fit for the kingdom is, is over. Because the kingdom of heaven is about introducing sonship. And I'm bringing you into a place where you are going to be seated with me in heavenly places. And when John begins to baptize Jesus, now listen, baptism was something that was done by those who were authorized to do it because of impartation. That's why John felt so strongly that only Jesus could do it. Jesus says, no, John, I am right now empowering you to baptize me and you're going to come right along with me in this thing. And there is going to be an open heavens. There is going to be a vision. There is going to be impartation that you are going to see because what I'm bringing to this day and to this age and to this season is an understanding that you are no longer below. You are no longer just unworthy because... It was the word of the Lord from Jesus himself. And I love what it says. That it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Everyone say us. God is going to use you to help usher sons into the kingdom. God's going to use you to empower. In other words, baptism under the old covenant. Remember, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that the glory of the old covenant was what? Condemnation. And so when, when they would repent and be baptized, guess what? The baptism of John was a baptism that made them aware of their sins, but they were still conscious. They were conscious of their brokenness. They were conscious of how weak they were and how unworthy. And hasn't that been the mind frame, mindset of many people in the church today? God wants to do something powerful in their life. And what we do is, oh, no, 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 pastor. I'm so unworthy. I'm so unworthy. Jesus says, no, I'm making you worthy right now. I'm coming here to empower you. You are no longer slaves or servants. You are coming together with me as a joint heir. As a joint heir in Christ. Everyone say joint heir. We're joint we're, 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 hooked together at the hip. We are joined together in that same anointing. Now, Jesus is the only begotten of the Son of God. He alone will only be worshipped. There will never be a day where you or I will ever be worshipped. But when Jesus confronts John and says, John, you're going to baptize me because I'm turning things around with the way people think. Notice that the message that John spoke to the Pharisees, actually, in the previous verses. John calls the Pharisees, O brood of vipers, you snakes. The axe is going to be laid to the root. And when Jesus comes along, he brings the message of the kingdom of sonship. You see, the message, the message of John was he was the last of the Old Testament prophets. And it was the message of condemnation, and it was the message of weakness. 
It was a message of being a victim to your sin. It's a message where you are never qualified. But when Jesus comes along, the first person he has to deal with is the guy who's preaching this message about preparing the way. And he says, John, you're going to baptize me. In other words, I am authorizing you. I believe that John had a problem with that. By the way, do you know that people still have a problem with the fact that God wants to empower them to begin to act and walk and talk like sons? Amen? When's the last time God says, I'm going to do something great in your life, and you said, not me. Oh, not me, God. You got the wrong guy. Well, that's not what God's saying. God is saying that if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, your bodies, your minds, and your conscience will be quickened. You see, God wants you to begin to believe that you are no longer subject to sin. He wants you to begin to believe that you are no longer subject to weakness. He wants you to actually walk, talk like an overcomer. You are to be a representation. You are an ambassador of Christ. I want you to jump with me. I want you to see something powerful. Jump over with me into Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, my final verse, and I'm closing here. Romans chapter 8, notice what it says. Verse 28, you know this scripture. And we know that all things are working together for what? Good to those who love God, to those who are called according to For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. The image of his Son is the image of being glorified. It's the image of being empowered. The image of His Son. Jesus represented heaven. Jesus brought healing. Jesus brings life. Jesus empowers people. By the way, I've I, I got to just put a plug in here for James and Claire. How many, how many here have come to those classes? Such amazing teaching. James, Claire, awesome teaching. And by the way, if you haven't come, you need to start coming because that, that what they're teaching, what the foundation they're laying is, is based upon sonship. It's based upon relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's based on the fact that you as parents, we as individuals, have the power to, instead of uh, uh, bringing a curse to the next generation, we can in, empower the next generation with blessing and vision and life. See, God wants us to know that there's so much alive in us because of the baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice what he says, For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many. Jesus being the prototype. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he called, whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he has glorified. Everyone say glorified. Now, a lot of people, some of your dispensationalists would like to say, well, Pastor Ray, no, 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 no. That's for heaven. You know, we still have a lot of problems down here, sickness, disease, failure, problems, backsliding, all that. No, 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 no. No, we need to get to the point where we are to begin to act and live as overcomers. We are sons, and Jesus didn't come to give us the baptism of the Holy Spirit so we can get some spiritual jolly. He baptized you with the Holy Spirit so you will be endued with power. And that power means boldness. That power means the character, the likeness, and the image of Jesus. God will give you the wisdom. He will give you the insight. He's given you the faith. He's given you the power to move mountains. 
And see, part of the renewing of our mind is breaking that pauper's mentality. That pauper's mentality. What, what Proverbs is saying, what shakes the earth and what, what is too much to bear is when you put a pauper in the place of a king. When a person becomes a leader, but they don't know it, embrace it, and believe it on the inside. See, God wants you to begin to understand that you have every right and you have the power to become the sons of God. He's glorified. Jump with me back in the same chapter in verse 14. Chapter 8, verse 14. Romans 8, 14. For as many that are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God led. Let me ask you this morning. What's, what's, what's influencing your decisions? What, what influences you? Has there been a particular comfort zone? Has there been any particular thought that has kept you from being led by the Spirit of God in coming in to the fullness of what God has for your life? You know, one of the things that I have to do is I have to change my thinking by renewing my mind, by flushing my mind, by renewing and building my mind with the promises of God's Word. Amen? Now, the Word is going to be tested. But as I begin to do that, notice that this in verse 15, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Again, that's a comfort zone. It's easy to go into bondage. It's easy to just retreat. It's, it's easy to go back to what you, what you know that brings certain types of relief. But he says, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba. Everyone say, Abba. You see, one, one of the signs that the victory is in your life is you're crying out. You're shouting. Everyone say, shout. Every Christian should have a shout. They should have a voice of triumph. There's a cry. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. And if indeed we suffer, because we will suffer, part of, the, part of the reigning is that we are going to suffer with Him, that we also may be glorified together. Glorified together. This is a new season. This is a new hour. And what, what God is doing with us right now is He's going to continue to remind us what Jesus did on the cross and how Jesus is glorified in your life. Do you know that every problem in your life is to be turned into an opportunity for Jesus to be glorified in? When my Bible says all things work together for good, He means that. God wants your life to be so increased, so blessed, so enlarged, because your life becomes a testimony of His faithfulness. Can you say amen? Bow your, bow your heads, would you, this morning? You know, as we're coming into this new year, I believe God is going to begin to say things and do things that might even cause us to scratch our heads like what happened with John the Baptist. John was not ready. He, was, he, he did not anticipate that the Lord would say, you're going to baptize me. I'm empowering you as a son to bring impartation, and I'm breaking that old glory, that old glory of condemnation. I'm breaking that old season off of your life.
Today we're in a new season. It's a new day. It's a new faith. It's new vision. It's relationships going to new levels. It's gifts being uh, being uh, released among us. I am so excited as 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 just a believer, as a pastor, because I'll tell you right now, one thing the Lord really spoke to my heart about this church is that the Lord loves you greatly. His hand is upon you, and He means to show His abundant grace and to blow your minds with promises and fulfillment. He's going to be doing that this year, folks, in your life. I sense the Lord opening uh, opening your hearts and open your minds to fresh ideas, even in the areas of your employment, relationships. God just bursting through and giving you that sense of hope, giving you that sense of, of, of progress and success. John said this, I would that you uh, prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God wants you to have success because that success, that prosperity reflects the very king you serve. We're not walking around here with our heads bowed and broken and burned up and beat up and torn down and beat down. No, we are sons of the Most High God. God is putting a boldness in us. He's fulfilling promises. God's going to use you to touch your generation. And so that's, that's, that's the direction of this house. The word of the Lord to me, the word of the Lord that he expressed to me, says, Ray, let New Life Fellowship. I'm going to be breaking some of the strongholds that keep them in these so-called comfort zones, but I'm going to be bringing them into a place of empowerment and release in my spirit. Maybe this morning you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, I want to see strongholds of fear broken. I want to see strongholds of habits broken in my life. I want to see strongholds of defeat and a poverty mindset broken. I'd like to see God begin to just open my heart and mind to all that he said that he would do in my life. If that's you this morning, you want to raise your hand? Just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. All right, I see your hand. Anyone else? God's doing great and amazing things. He's coming to you this morning and he's saying this, you are worthy. You're worthy because of the Son of God. That's what he broke off of John that day. He broke that spirit of poverty, that spirit of unworthiness of John the Baptist. Here's a righteous man. Yet Jesus said, John, I'm bringing you in this with me. It's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. John didn't even see that coming. I want to tell you something. There's some things that your eyes haven't seen, hasn't entered your heart, or you haven't heard it, the things that God has prepared for them that love, that love him. God has his eye on you. He has singled you out, and his desire is to bless and enlarge you this year. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? Let's stand to our feet this morning.